good. We're going to move on to the scriptures. And it's going to be in parts. Uh, it's going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, verse 4. And then we're going to ja jump over to chapters, uh, I'm sorry, verse 6 and then 16. And the Bible says, giving time, I might have not given it to them in time, but it, the Bible says, if you have your Bibles, you can open up your Bibles, your Bible apps and your phones. And it says, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret that himself shall reward thee openly. And they go into verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And this scripture here, in its sense, all by itself, it's powerful. I had the opportunity of asking God to reveal some things to me because a lot of the times we think it means something different. And uh, But with, with God's help, I'll, I'll want to help some of you guys understand that if you've not yet understood what that truly means. Moreover, verse 16, moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad, sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. And now if you would bow your heads or lift your hands up into heaven, look up into the glory place where God is, and if you would pray with me, Lord, we thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you for your touch. We are moved to know that we, Lord, serve you, the one true God. We are here, Lord, giving you praise and bringing glory to your name, Lord Jesus of Nazareth, because it is the, you are the only God, the only saving God. You are the one that carries the name, Lord God. You're the name which we call upon, and for that, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We ask you, Lord God, to soften our hearts, Lord. Give us the understanding, Lord. Let us grow spiritually, Lord, in our disciplines for you. Let us, Lord, continue, Lord, in our disciplines faithfully to give you glory and to give you praise, Lord, for the kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Praise God. God is good. That word there, good, is, is uh, I, and I said sometimes we just say, oh, God is good. But there is much more behind that word uh, if we really seek uh, what it means. And I had the opportunity, again, as I said, looking into some of these things. And it says, excellent. The word excellent. We say good, but we never think of it as excellent. And, and I want to tell you that when you say God is good, I want you to think of it in that same manner, in that same way. That, Lord, you know why you're good? Because you are excellent in everything that you have done for us, Lord. You have led us, O oh God, through the, the, the fiery places, O oh God, you, the mouth of the lions you have shut. But in doing so, Lord, you have brought us to a place of peace. Praise the Lord. So the teaching of today is, uh, is basically the disciplines of a disciple. There are many uh, disciplines uh, for us to look through, and I mean, the Bible is filled with them. Uh, and I, So we would call them laws, or we could also call them ordinances. Uh, but the scripture, uh, Jesus himself, uh, throughout the scriptures, talks about them, but we also have them in the Old Testament and, and praise God for that, because we know that as those disciplines were not only in the old, they were also in the new. Uh, you could get them and put them all in, into your heart in the same time. If you ask God to give them to you, he could do that for you. However, God has a different plan at times. Uh, sometimes I believe he remembers and he knows that 
some things are better experienced. And who would know that better than the Lord Jesus? Uh, I mean, he is the one that, uh, first of all, overcame, uh, went out and and was out there for 40 days and 40 nights. He fasted. He overcame the flesh. He was a discipline and according to the scriptures. And because of that, he saved us through his sacrificial giving of his life. So what better example than the Lord Jesus Christ? No, perhaps we can't be as perfect as he is, but the Bible does say that our righteousness is as filthy rags. And in doing so, we take off our righteousness and we put on his righteousness. When you are baptized in the name of Jesus, there is power in the name of Jesus. He also, to all believers who would have the chance, he gave the chance to all believers uh, to seek their own salvation that they would be led, uh, led by the word and the Holy Ghost. And it says, in faith, to be transformed into the likeness of him. Jesus didn't give us just instructions just so that we could follow them. The reason he gave us instruction is because it's his mind. It's his order. It's the way he is. And in doing so, we also know that Jesus followed that same order. And so every one of us is lift, working at a different level. We understand what the word discipline means. Uh, but I'll go a little bit more in depth into it. And but before I do that, Second Timothy chapter two verse fifteen: Study to so show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And how truth in itself, if we don't dig deep enough, we're going to find ourselves in just the sur receiving the surface value of the scriptures. God wants us to go deeper into the scriptures. God wants us to uh, not simply stay on the surface. I mean, he, the Bible says that, that he was upon the surface at the beginning. Uh, he, you know, the, in the Spanish, the word means uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, uh, it was void. When, when it says void, darkness was upon the face of the deep. In the Bible, the Spanish, it says it was out of order. But when God stepped in, it was then in order because he is the one that brings order. He is disciplined when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ. He is, again, fulfilling all scripture. He is, every time he, uh, he was doing things in the midst of those who he was speaking to, and even the Pharisees, he said that let it be fulfilled. I don't find in scripture where Jesus never said, or he might have not said, well, this is not going to be full. It was always a fulfilling. One thing that I do remember reading and understanding was that God said there were certain things that the children of Israel did. And he said, let this not be a proverb unto them anymore. And he was saying, so, so since this, is, this was to give them, uh, give them you know, a, a, a kind of praise, I'm going to take that from them. Because it's not that he was erasing his word. He was just saying, I'm taking back. This is not for you. And again, you'll find that as a proverb, let them not say. And if you look that up, you'll find it. The definition of disciple is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior using punishment to correct. And I think that one, there is not the one we're talking about. I don't think we're going to pull out any whips here today. I think we're going to go with the other one. And, and, and even that one is, I'm going to say, is a little light. The second one is it's a branch of knowledge typically 
once studied in higher education. Some of those who have gone to, to college and have, have become something of ourselves, we can understand that. This one would be a more of a discipline of a life career practice, such as a doctor, teacher, or airplane pilot, which usually entails a profession. But there is one definition missing from their books and records, at least to those who know uh, that w and agree with me that there is a third, which is a supernatural profession of free will and stands as a profession and not taught by man, but by God through the Holy Ghost. And so we have First Timothy chapter six, verse 12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before any witnesses. So the disciplines of God, I said earlier, there's, there's a vast amount, but I'm just touching on a few, and I'm going to come back to a few others. <laughs> but what we must first, one of the things that we must first, uh, I think, embrace is finding that, uh, that common ground. And I'm going to say this, we must first of all, be content with where we stand. Now, this is not talking about the, the apostolic or, or someone who has come to the faith uh, maybe within the last six months. I'm talking about this is for somebody. Actually, let me rephrase that. It's for somebody who has just come into the faith, <laughs> faith in the last six months or so, and they yet don't have a, a groundwork of, uh, you know, in, in standing. Uh, there's something that has to happen. Uh, not necessarily a place of comfort, but more of a place to start is what I want to use here. We are to be content with what we have. Uh, I can surely say that I'm content with what I have. I am content with what God has given me and what he has done for me. I'm content with my family. They are not perfect, but nor am I. And, and being content, I am also content with the friends that God has given me. Like, as I said earlier, the common ground. I am content. I am happy with that. But then as we start to learn of what God wants from us, he moves us out of our common ground. Because as the time passes, we can become comfortable. And that's when that six-month period starts to pass. And we think this is all it is, but it's not. There's more. We want to be able to grow. And that is not what he wants us to just sit back and, and not become anything. Jesus said that he would not leave us comfortless, and the Father would send us another comforter in his name. And this is, this, is a, this is a powerful statement here, because he said, when you call on my name, I will send the comforter, which we know is calling on the name of Jesus and receiving the Holy Ghost, which is referring, I said here, to the Holy Ghost. And you'll find that in chapter 14 of, of John. Run throughout that, that scripture. It's powerful. It's got a it's got a lot of meat on it, and it's got uh, nourishing uh, food for the spirit. It is quite beautiful. It's a beautiful revelation when you see it played out in words. Jesus being the first comforter in flesh, and the Holy Ghost is the second comforter. And I say it that way because Jesus, the Bible says that he was with us. I, he was talking about being with us in the midst. But in order for him to be within us in spirit, he had to die for us, that the promise would come to us. And we would receive it. Jesus is that perfect example of a friend and brother and is like no other. I think we all can agree that we have some dear friends that, we, that mean a lot to us. And usually it is because a lot of the time they are so like us that we have, have things in common. But sometimes we set a limit 
or standard as to who is part of our pack. But the Lord tells us what it should not be, that that should not be so. He tells us in Scripture, in his own words, the two greatest commandments are part of our disciplinary actions. He doesn't say thou can. No, he says thou shalt. In Mark chapter 12, verse 29 through 31, and Jesus answered him, and first of all, the command, uh, first of all, the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. And this is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And I think we're all familiar with that one. There is none other commandment greater than these. We can never say or stress it enough that the scriptures refer to our neighbors as someone that we don't know, someone who is in need. Perhaps not beaten up, you know, at at that very single moment or time, but definitely in need. We perhaps wouldn't find it pleasant to be around them either, but that's no longer our decision if we say that we are in Christ. We tend to draw a fine line between friendship and sometimes our spiritual growth. Friendships can become a hindrance at times if we are not adhering to what the scriptures teach us and that it is to go and make disciples is our commandment. We like comfort. And sometimes we stay there way too long and sometimes we, became, we become unaware of who we have become as it was with a bivocational pastor who was working for his staff at a local clinic. Since he was in a remote area, good-paying jobs were scarce. And in that, and so being the case, he felt blessed to have a job that could support his family and allow him the flexibility to still pastor this church. However, despite enjoying the work and being well-paid, he had one major problem. His supervisor at the clinic was not overly kind. I think we can all agree that there's places that we're going to go, and there's going to be people that are not overly kind. But I can tell you this, that if you are kind, you'd be surprised what God can do with you to them. I have witnessed it. I have seen it. We have talked about it. And uh, there is power in God's word. It it, it is a a fountain of youth to those who embrace it. it. It is wisdom. But it says the supervisor frequently overburdened her employees by passing off her own work to them. And she had no problem harshly beating, I'm sorry, berating, not beating, berating her subordinates publicly. It would have been bad for her if she had beat them. Her language was foul and her demeanor was arrogant. And I've been there. Many workers complained to human resources and upper management, but their efforts were in vain. The pastor believed that prayer changes things, so he took this matter to the Lord in prayer. And I do believe prayer works. I do believe prayer works. But I also believe that we, as a human, as, as people of God, must take a step just a little further to be able to Remember, we are the extension of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are part of his glory. We are a remnant from him, as Brother Wayne mentioned this morning. Months passed, and his supervisor had not changed. He's he's concerned. In fact, she had gotten worse. The pastor committed to praying even more, yet still nothing seemed to change. How many of us have been there? It's not changing. Lord, what's going on? After nearly a year, the health care company offered 
to send several employees to a training seminar in another state for one week. The topic of the conference was working with difficult people. <laughs> this, is, this one was a no, I'm sorry, this was a no-brainer for him. Intrigued, he volunteered to go. However, after a week at the conference, he was discouraged. He had taken exhaustive notes but felt as though nothing, uh, nothing could help this situation or his situation. On the last day of the conference, he approached the main speaker and relayed his situation. I don't know what to do, he bemoaned. I've tried everything. The conference speaker offered an unexpected suggestion. Have you tried buying her a gift and writing a nice card? The pastor shocked, why would I do that? He asked with a tone in his voice of disbelief and doubting that that would even make a difference. The speaker replied, it sounds like she's stressed. She works in a remote area, and it's the only one within 100 miles who can do her job. Perhaps if you work hard to treat her kindly, she will realize the error of her ways and treat you all differently. Now, you notice he didn't say, she didn't say, or the person didn't say you. He said all. So sometimes the response of one person can affect, affect, I don't want to say infect, affect an entire group. The next week, the pastor convinced the entire office to chip in and buy their supervisor a card, a bouquet of flowers, and a gift of her favorite restaurant. Within a month, the entire office noticed a drastic change in the supervisor. How many of us have noticed that? When you're kind and you're loving and, and someone is angry and distraught, all of a sudden, your kindness rubs off. She spoke softer and was more patient excuse me, and sensitive to her employees' needs. In the end, the pastor was right. I'm sorry. In the end, the pastor was right that prayer did change things. But before God changed the supervisor's heart, God first had to change the pastor's own heart. Becoming stagnant is not always due to friends, but more than often it's due to the lack of prayer. Every discipline is developed over time, and if there is one that should be developed right away, it is prayer. I believe uh, the Lord had been dealing with me uh, fairly uh, quite, and I'm going to say hard because that's how God deals with us sometimes. But it's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And uh, I've been reading the book of James. There's some things that God has, has, you know, reveals to us. And, you know, the beauty of his handiwork is always there. It's, the scriptures are, are always unfolding, with, you know, before us. And as they unfold, they, they bless us. They teach us. And they put things in order for us. That's the God that we serve. And I remember, uh, as I mentioned earlier, I opened up uh, watching the, uh, some of the videos from the conference. And what a blessing it was to see what God was doing in a body so far away that God was doing with me uh, weeks ago. I think he knew I was going to miss it. So he said, I got to educate you now because you're going to miss that which is going to be said over there. And God began to work in me, and I was, I was just kind of crying out to him, and I was just saying, God, well, then what is it, Lord, that I might be missing? He's like, it's not that you're missing anything. It's that you've got to stay in the word. You have to stay in the If you're not in the word, you're not going to. And not that, was, that I was out of the word, but God wanted me to experience something that the church was going to experience elsewhere. And I'm thinking, well, if I'm not able to make it, I'm not going to experience that. But God says, no, I have something for you. God will touch and reach you where you are. 
He will bring it to you. He will open up your understanding. And it's only by the Holy Ghost. So this is why it's so important to receive that what the Word says to us and, and obey the Scriptures and adhere to that which is truth. We have examples of, uh, of prayer by several people. Uh, you know, we have, first off, we have the prophets that pray to the Lord, such as Daniel, three times a day. What, what, uh, th this was his order. When he first came to the Lord, uh, when I first came to the Lord, I'm sorry, uh, our prayer was quite weak because we really did not have one. But as we continued in our walk, what seemed to be five minutes turned into ten minutes, which w then it went to 30, then 45, then all of a sudden it was an hour. And this is not something to be boastful about or brag about, but this is something that I want to share with you that it is important to be connected with God. And sometimes five minutes and ten minutes is just not enough. Tears would not begin to flow until after the 30 to 45 minutes. I mean, I can, be repent, I can repent of my sins in, in five minutes, but do I really mean it? Is it deep enough? Am I feeling the connection? I want to go deeper. So as we're praying, um, I remember, you know, we're, we're having our prayer life. We're, we're, we're growing, and it, it all of a sudden became our lifestyle to pray every day and and every time, my wife's mother, she would call us, hey, what are you guys doing? Well, we're praying. Okay. So then we began, we were praying more often, of course, and then she would call more often, and she would find us again in prayer again. And then the question came, well, her mom calls again. Hi, why are you doing? I'm, I'm doing good, Mom. And her mom would ask, what are you doing? I was in prayer. The response that came from her did not offend us, but it made it clear to us that her mother and to, to us that there was a need to connect with the king of glory and that we were going to do it as often as possible. The question was, again, you're in prayer again? I don't believe that we can pray enough. It's just, it's just impossible. The Bible says that, you know, Paul tells us to walk in the spirit. And I believe that when we walk in the spirit, we begin to pray in the Spirit. Perhaps we don't declare the Scriptures, but I'm thinking, God, you are so good to me. You are more than enough. Lord, you have given me everything that I have. I've shared with some of you, and some of you have shared with me that what we have is not because we have it, but because God has given it to us. Thank you, Lord, for that. Recently, God has done some miraculous things in my life, and I'm not going to share them because I want them to come to be, because I don't want to, you know, spoil my blessing. But God is good. And just as he does it in me, I know that he's doing it in you because that's the God that we serve. Praise the Lord. Daniel, whether things were going well or not, he prayed. He did not let the influence and situations around him dis deter him from what he was supposed to do. He was going to connect with God. Our prayer is so important. That is one of our disciplines that we should never abandon. Moses went up to the mountain to be with God. Prayer was one of the, the most, uh, and I said that earlier, it was one of our communication lines to God. And, and that is exactly what Moses did when he disappeared up to the mountain. They thought he was dead. But you know what happens to you when you go into prayer and you disappear with God? And <laughs> the Lord says, man shall not live by what? Bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. 
out of. That is our bread. That is life. That is good. And this is why, and this will be, uh, I'll enter into the next one, which is about fasting. But, but just before that. And the Lord Jesus also demonstrated that when he was in the flesh. And he needed to overcome the flesh before his crucifixion. It took three hours for this particular one. The question, I wondered, Lord, why did it only take three hours? I said that that way because Jesus went out into the desert for 40 days and 40 nights. Do you believe that he was in prayer? I do believe that he was in prayer. He brought the word against the enemy. But three hours, he said, I just need three more hours before this happens so I can give my life for you. Jesus, thank you, Lord, for that. Desperation calls for def- desperate measures. If you want change, then spend time in prayer. It is what we should be doing every day. First thing in the morning, followed by reading the word of God. We must communicate with God every day and seek his presence. It, it should be in the morning, as I said earlier, the first thing, waking up, open, opening your eyes. The other day, someone, uh, actually, Brother Wayne called me. He says, hey, brother, what are you doing? And I had... I literally was sitting there for hours, and I was in a daze, and I was just thinking about the word, and I'm thinking, <laughs> I, I, I could not imagine to be lost that long in just, just a, a few words, and he said, to know to do good and not do it is sin. It's sin. It's sin. I said, Lord, I know that. He said, well, I just want to remind you of that. Perhaps he was dealing with me something I didn't know about, but and then I went to more scripture, and he began to expound more on that. I was saturated in that place. I didn't want to go anywhere. Here's something to think about. The apostles were with Jesus for about three and a half years. They were being prepared for the ministry. Now, some of us don't have that luxury of staying at home as the apostles did because they were out and about doing the work of the Lord to do the work of ministry. But we can make our job the field of ministry, and study at home in the morning or at night the word. Now, but again, don't neglect prayer. Prayer is important. One of the things that I would, uh, I would like to mention as well is um, I've had, when, when is it good to read my word? And generally, it's good to read your word in the morning. It really is because it starts your day. It's his word before you. He is before you. And if you put him before you, then everything else that comes against you, don't worry about it. Trust in him, and he will, he will deliver you. He will lead you into all righteousness. The Bible says that if you are hungry for righteousness, you shall be filled. Meditating and studying on the word of God will open up our understanding to our spiritual disciplines. After the day of Pentecost, and I wanted to bring the scripture up, in chapter 2, verse 43 to 45, and it's not up there because I, he didn't get it, and so forgive me for that. It, And it says, and fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and all had things in common. And sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. These people did this for the kingdom. They were coming together, and they were having all things common. Now, perhaps they didn't have all monies common, but one thing was for sure that they were learning of the word and they were going to be filled by the spirit of God because they were hungry for the word. Acts chapter 40, uh, chapter 4, verse 31 through 32. And when they had prayed the place, and this one here is when Paul is talking to uh, the king Agrippa. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken 
where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought to have things which he possessed uh, was his own, but they had all things, again, in common. Believers will learn to live with less possessions. I'm going to say it that way. Or at least we should. We're not taking anything to heaven, and that's for sure. Now, if it's something for employment, that's a little bit different. If it is for your livelihood, then you are to produce. You are to, uh, and I'm going to say uh, this as well. Uh, when we, we are to give of, of what God has given us of our abundance, our abundance is not necessarily only what uh, I think a lot of times when we give, we, we th- and I should say we, some, and I should say myself in the beginning, I always thought, well, why should I give? That was, that was my thought. Why should I give? But as you spend more time in prayer, as you spend more time with God, as you read the scriptures, God begins to unfold this understanding of why we give. The giving is, you can read it. It's for people who have need. It was for the priestly. It was to take care of the things that needed to be handled. It was a, and I'm going to say it was a, um, gosh, what is the word I'm looking for? A blessing to you. When you give, God, not only, not only do you bless, because that money could go to someone who is wanting to hear the gospel. I mean, we had people come here and already preached to us that they're from other countries. And, and pastors said, they, we help other people and, and, and we've helped other churches and, and we've done these things. And that is all for the kingdom of God. And that's why we give. We give not expecting anything in return. We give joyfully. And I'm going to say this if the Bible does say, if, if you can't give it joyfully, then don't give it at all. You want to be blessed when you give it. Well, I'm going to give, well, how do I do that? There's prayer. You've got to find yourself in prayer. It all connects together. It all weaves within itself. There is a blessing that comes from giving, not only to the giver, but to the one receiving. And the Bible does say it's better to give than receive. Amen. So if we give, we know that it is a blessing to others, and it will be uh, for the kingdom of God. The one thing that uh, I wanted to touch base on, because Jesus, when uh, Jesus died on the cross, he gave his everything. Uh, and, and I'm going I'm I'm to go from the very beginning. I remember I mentioned he said what he said was that it was good. It was every, every, it was more than good. It was excellent. It was more than we expected. He could, you know what? He could have just put two moons out there. But he didn't. He wanted to make sure that we could see and that we could get around and identify each other. Okay? It, it was a good thing. And doing that, I believe that we can also uh, relate this to not only did he give everything to us that we need, he also gave of his life. He didn't just go in, hey, you know, we just cut, cut my foot off. It was his life, and it was unto death. It was unto death. Now, praise and glory be unto him because he's the one that resurrected himself by his own power because he is God manifested in the flesh. But still he gave his life and he didn't have to do that. But then he says to us in John chapter 14, verse 15, and then 17 to 21, 
If you love me, keep my commandments, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. In this very scripture, he's talking about when I send the comforter, you're going to become aware. At that day ye shall know that I am in my Father. What day? When you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to understand the oneness of God. You know that he is the one and the same. He doesn't change. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Praise the Lord for that. Thank you, Lord, for that revelation. And in, we're going to verse 21. And he, and he that have my commandments, he says, and listen to this, and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I will manifest. I will, I will show my glory before him. I will show him how great I am, how good I am. And when every time you start to say, God, you are so good, that is his glory right before you, and you don't even know it, and your speak is pouring out of you. The Bible says that out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. Well, that's that water there, giving praise unto God. But it doesn't come with a, uh, it, but it doesn't come, I'll say it does come with a price, you know, and I say in our behalf. He paid the price already with the blood. Here's our behalf. Acts uh, chapter 26, verse 20. But showed first unto them of Damascus at Jerusalem and throughout all of the coasts of Judea and then to the Gentiles that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. In other words, meet for repentance. In other words, what you did, your work had to have a reflection upon your repentance. And that reflection would be through the scriptures, through your discipline to, for the scriptures. Yet God tells us not to be impartial as well. We know that uh, the, uh, I've already jumped a little bit too far. God tells us not to be impartial, and yet he can, uh, we can enjoy that which he has given us. So when we do things that are pleasing to our, and I'm going to say this, when we are, uh, doing things that are pleasing to our flesh, um, it is, and it brings no glory to God, uh, there, there's a problem there. And um, when, when God, when Jesus died, as my Luke put it this way, when God created time, which we know that God is not created by time, he made a decision that we needed time because we keep falling over and over and over again. And since we keep falling over and over again, we need that extra time. Some of us need a whole lot of time. But some of us could say, you know what, Lord? You are good. And you are faithful. And through that time, God begins to show forth his mercy and his grace. And he starts to see the manifestation of him in you. Because his word, again, you said, your word your will, not my will, Lord, but your will be done. Discipline. What is the definition? Oh, I've already said that. 
As a new Christ believer, discipline applies to them. Discipline, actually, discipline applies to everyone. Everybody is at a different level. And earlier I said, like, if you're a new believer and, uh, or you've been living this for 40 years, 50 years, whatever, your entire life, uh, there is a certain amount of discipline. The teaching of today is that discipline, that discipline is, is just discipline uh, in a sense that for everyone it's the same. And it's not so. The Bible does talk about that we're going to be judged according to the things that we know. And so there's a, but, but that is not to say that we don't study the scriptures and figure out what it is that God wants to do. The d- three different things that I'm going to be taught, that I was supposed to be talking about, was one was prayer. Uh, actually, I've already talked about prayer. I'm going to talk about fasting. Fasting is one, uh, it's also a discipline that most of us would say it's hard to do because you have to give up foods that you enjoy eating. You enjoy eating with people. We're, we're, we're a people we're a person people. We're a people people. God is the people people. I mean, this is why he came to save us. He's like, I want, these are my people. All these are things that we do of life when we eat, we fast, we pray. But the fasting, and, uh, and I want to share this because this is something that the Lord brought to me um, uh, some, some years ago. And it was that the fast, I've already shared it with some of you guys, <laughs> that the fast is, is an amazing thing. And, and I uh, I went in there and I was looking at um, a certain word, and I can't recollect what it was. But the meaning of it was this: that if it is not given something, then it will die. It will die. And the interesting thing is that when we fast, we deplete our body of any food, of any nutritional value, and the body starts to live off itself of whatever is within us. Now, if you drink water, that's one thing, but you can't produce carbohydrates. You can't produce sugar. You can't produce any any proteins so the body's going to start to take away from what is in it, it the body will even take calcium because he needs calcium to make energy bones get brittle but in all that i said earlier that when we don't eat just as moses just as um daniel there's there's a spiritual growth there and the reason there's a spiritual growth is because we are dying we are dying we are submitting the flesh and we are not allowing this flesh to overcome us because if we do then we are not in control of that which God has given us control of and it is through the Holy Ghost and it is through his word his word is what directs our paths amen praise the Lord so fasting Daniel fasted Moses fasted uh, Jesus fasted and again when it when desperate times you know when they come, we've got to take those de- uh, desperate measures. I think some of us have already, uh, some of you guys have read that book uh, that Pastor recommended us. For. I have not read it yet. I'll be honest about it. I'm not going to say here, yeah, I've read it. I've read a lot of prayer books. I've heard a lot of prayer teachings. And, and um, I've been blessed by all of them. There's, there's not one that I could say, well, that one was no good and that one was no good. No, what you do is you look at the ones that you read, and something doesn't sound or doesn't line up. What you do, you take the nuggets that are good, and you, you, you sow them into you. Oh, that, that lines up with the Word. And this is why I always say if you're going to read a book, make sure it's an apostolic book. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I have books that are written by other people, but it doesn't mean that I take everything they say because I know the truth. This is why we study the Word so that we are fluent in Scripture and we understand that when something comes over or something is said or something is written, we can identify it. 
We are to be in the Spirit, living according to the Spirit and not the flesh. How many of us would say that um, we have been challenged by God before to move into these things, move into prayer, move into fasting, move into giving? The convictions come. I know that they've, came, they've come to me. And I guess I could brag about every single one of them, but what good would that do to me? What I do want to share with you is that we should. We should pray. We should fast. We should give. It's for the kingdom. It's for the Lord. The Bible says, do it as unto the Lord. What does that mean? What does that really mean? It means that when you give, God, you are my heavenly Father. And I'm giving you part of what you have already given to me. I am so thankful and I am so grateful, God, for, for your, the touch of your hand upon my life, upon my family, upon our church. Lord, I have to give. How could I not give? We have to have a desire to give. Because God has done the great things for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. I don't know how much time I have left, but I think I'm pretty much done here. If you could stand to your feet, you lift up your eyes to heaven and just, God, I want to be disciplined by your spirit, Lord. I want to obey your word, Lord. I want to do what you want me to do, Father. I want to do your will. Lord, I know, you're, I know you want me to, to speak to you every day. Teach me, Lord. Teach me, Lord, to speak to you. Jesus. Join us in worship. It's where I, yes, Lord.